This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's the first step to hiring rock stars? It starts with the ad. A cookie-cutter ad with buzzwords will only get you so far. Instead of writing the ad from your perspective, step into the shoes of the position that you're looking to fill. You may even have done that job yourself. Hey, did you ever think that you should be writing the ad for the spouse of the job position? From the Aftermarket Radio Network, hello, Carm Capriato here. Now, it costs thousands of dollars to hire the wrong person. Get ready to get a handful of great ideas in this episode to help you in your hiring goals. Hey, thanks to our partners, Shopware and Delphi Technologies for providing you this episode. Now, if you want to earn customers' trust, show them their worn brake pads rather than just telling them. When you take them under the hoist via photos and videos, they can't deny their need for repairs. Talk to my great friends on the web at getshopware.com. With over 2,300 SKUs and 95% sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies, right up to instructional videos. Get started at DelphiAftermarket.com. Good to have you all here. We're going to talk about writing ads that attract rock stars. No matter what level in the business that you're looking for, there's kind of a strategy that I think we need to consider. Uh, good to have you here. I'm with Malin Newton, ESI business coach. Uh, Malin wrote the book, The Joy of Hiring. Yeah, look at that. Two screens up, The Joy of Hiring. I did an episode recently with Malin on the book, and I consumed it. It was it was an easy read, an important read. Thank you for writing that. Thank you. Good to have you here. Jimmy Aloria, 3A Automotive and Diesel Repair, Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, Jimmy. Hello, sir. Good to see you again. Good to have you here. Jason Stretch is here, Legendary Automotive and Truck Service, Fort Myers, Florida. Hey, guys. Good to have you here, man. Jimmy, did I see you at Napa Expo? You did. It was a pleasure to, to meet you and Tracy. I'm at too. Thank you so much. Now, Jimmy and Jason recently did an episode on technician surveys, which totally prompted me to do this episode, guys. The information that you found out, I'm sure you're going to share some of it. If not, it was episode 765, maybe a month ago. And it's a profound episode. I think it's going to be a legendary episode as far as being able to look back and find out what it is that the people want. So here's the deal, guys. If you're going to write an ad, what are the people want to hear? What do they want? Where do they want to hang their hat? Where's their career going to go next? And if you can pretty much sell that, but I don't mean selling it in the bad or the wrong way, selling it for real because everything's going on inside your business that people want to come and have, then I don't think it's that difficult to do it. Hey, I want to stop for a minute, guys, and remind everyone about the nominations for the Apex Shop Owner, Service Advisor, and Technician of the Year. August 31st is the deadline, uh, aapexshow.com slash service awards. I am sure you know a shop owner, a service advisor, or a technician who gives it their all, 100%, 110 every day, does things in the community, is a great team member. We sure would love to have you um, nominate someone, they will be recognized at the keynote. Thank you all for that. Hey, Malin, I want to go to you first. You had told me you got to write an ad that sings to the spouse. Right. I think that's 
part of our problem. I call it a funnel. And when we run an ad, it's like a funnel. We have small funnels and we have big funnels. When we write it to the technician, he's or she probably isn't looking at the ad because he came home last night or she came home for last night from work and complained about the job. Their spouse has said, I'm going to find you a different job. And what the technician wants and what the family wants, two very different things. So write the ad for the family because CARM, if you came home and you'd been complaining about work for a week and your wife said, go apply for this job, what would you do? Oh, because she's reading them for you. Right. She's searching it for you because you're just complaining about it. And she doesn't need a complainer at home, does she? No, she doesn't want that. So she's going to say, go apply for this job. And you're going to say, yes, ma'am. And you're going to go. So, you know, it's we get all caught up because we're technical people. We get all caught up in the technical side of this. And we forget the family, the people have to put up with us. To be honest with you, if you read the dedication in my book, it's dedicated to my family because they put up with me doing this for 40 years. Well, you know, part of the strategy, guys, and I'm sure you can confirm this with uh, for, for the audience, is that dinner that if as you're getting close, I don't know if it's uh, if it's interview two or uh, you know just before you're going to make an offer, but to go out with the spouse. And I think to your point, Malin, Jimmy, Jason, the spouse probably knows a ton about your business that you may not even think she does, and or. Maybe she's the advocate to get the guy to come to work or he or she to go to work with you. And it doesn't matter if it's wife or not. It's still the spouse that we're talking about, right? Correct. What's your opinion, guys, on that dinner piece? I've never done that. Maybe once I did it, but I think it's a great idea. I mean, you know, especially in today's, what we're trying to do is is we're trying to get somebody to make a career move. We don't want this to be, you know, a stopping point in between some other uh, to some other destination. And I think that when you do get the spouse on board, that uh, they're going to end up being your biggest advocate, especially if you've done your research. You know, I mean, you know, you're talking about writing ads that are really going to resonate. And uh, I thought it was really uh, funny that Malin and I both put the same type of thing. It was one of our first points was, who's actually reading that ad? He said, you know, write it as to the family. And I said, you know, keep in mind who's actually reading that ad. And, you know, it's probably because we both have had that experience where you wrote an ad for a tech or a service advisor and the person that reached out was not that person. It was actually the spouse. I mean, it makes total sense, right? You're trying to bring on a family member. What are you dealing with? We might find out some things about the family that uh, we might want to pull the string on a little bit too before we make that move. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. A couple interviews um, that I've conducted with uh, technicians that were going to be, you know, a significant investment. I did have dinner with the technician, his wife, myself, and my wife, and it really, like, there were it brought a comfort level to them as a couple where she could ask some questions that maybe she had on her mind that she knew her husband would not be asking. It really helped close, uh, you know, close them together for the technician to make the move and accept the offer. So absolutely. So here's the challenge. Uh, We have an opening. So we open up our Word document or our Google Doc, and we look at the last ad, and we click copy, cut, and paste, and we throw it into some, we give it to the newspaper, we send it to Indeed, we go to Craigslist, we put it on Facebook, and we repeat the same stuff that really made us struggle in hiring forever. And the objective of this is to, let's talk about the creativity of technician need here? Well, I have a a story behind where my technician ad that I have 
going right now that we've been using for several years was you're spot on, Carm. I was doing the same thing. My ads never were like normal, like demanding ads. Um, I always thought that they actually had something in them, but I wasn't getting a response. And I was in a bind and it was a Saturday morning and I'm going, I need a technician. Like we're at a point where, you know, this is about seven, eight years ago. And because we were down a technician, it was, everything was inefficient. It was costing us thousands and thousands of dollars. I'm like, I am going to find a technician this weekend. My wife and I, for many years, have kept email addresses, phone numbers of people who were prospects. And I said, hey, how am I going to get a hold of technicians? I've got some people I can call. And I go, I had about 50 people on a list. And I sat down at my computer and I wrote a letter to the technician. And that was where the ad that we're currently using actually came from was it was actually an email out. And I was trying to indicate to the technicians by validating them and saying, hey, you know, good technicians are harder and harder to find, yet it still amazes me how many technicians stay at a job where they're not happy. That's something we've used for many years. We've altered it a little bit now with based on the the surveys that we recently did and we shared with uh, on the last podcast. But that's where that came from is that I wasn't getting results and I got I got to do something. And I got like five phone calls back that day from that email and I ended up hiring a guy it was, I ended up interviewing him on Monday. He started about two weeks later. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then... Email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit. Go with the team that created DVX. My friends at Get Shopware. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Malin, I've known you for a whole bunch of years now, since I started podcasting seven years ago. And I swear you and I would get together, we would talk about that resume folder that's in the bottom right drawer of your desk. And, you know, go dig that out and go through that stuff because that person maybe was out of reach because I couldn't pay him. And now maybe I can. There's all kinds of 
issues that we're dealing with today is, yes, technicians are harder to find. They're still out there. And I hear this all the time. I can't afford them. The real question is, how can you afford not to? And if you structure your business properly, paying them is not an issue if they're productive. We want to provide health insurance and benefits and all of those things, right? But before we can do that, we got to understand our business. So we as owners have to understand our business better so we can afford to pay them what they need to be paid and give them the benefits. Because remember this, that every person that you're looking for that we're all trying to get, there are dozens of other people looking for them, such as NASA, Boeing, Donald Douglas, Lockheed. They're all looking for the same people. They don't have the investment of tools and they work in an air-conditioned building and they wear lab coats sometimes. So we have to make our business more attractive. And you brought it up just a minute ago, is we're not a destination employer. We're a stopping point on them to go someplace else. So we take them in, we enhance their education, we teach them to be good employees in most cases, and then they go to work for somebody who has a retirement, who has benefits, that they work eight to five, Monday through Friday, You know, we really need to look at our industry because I'll say this, and I don't mean this as a disparaging thing, but our industry is the definition of insanity. We keep doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. We run the same ad. We treat people the same way. You know, simple things that employees don't work for that paycheck. They work because they have to and they want to work at a place that takes good care of them, whether it be benefits or whether it be treating them with respect. The idea that hey, I'm paying you, you owe me. Boy, that is an archaic mindset, in my opinion. Sure is. What Malin was saying um, in his talking points, which I totally agree with, the setting your shop up as a destination for these technicians. And, you know, that's what was so interesting about uh, actually serving and finding out what was wanted and needed from technicians. Like, what is it that they're looking for so that that can get implemented into the shop and be able to really attract these great people. And something else I think we have to understand is what I think is important is different than what the two of you think is important because we're different generations. And so when we run an ad or we set our shops up, is it set up for us or is it set up for the generation of employees we're hiring? Because what I think is important, they don't think is important and it's not attractive to them. We have to stop doing business as usual and that complacency rule. You know, the average shop owner is like 52, 53 years old. What's the average age of an employee? It's not that old. And so we got to build a business that caters to those people. I mean, I have a 25-year-old son and he thinks so totally different than I do. It's not wrong. It's just different. And when he works for people, I look at him and go, why is that important to you? Because it wasn't important to me. So it's we got to stop thinking our age and start thinking about the people we're trying to attract. Thank you for saying you know, the insanity that we seem to have had in our business, you know, by doing the same crazy things over and over again and not learning from the networking, the peers, the coaching. I started this seven years ago to advance the aftermarket. And so there are so many people out there that come to me, whatever event I'm in, and the emails that I receive and the listenership that we have is going to prove that episodes like this that are there to motivate a person to listen to learn just one thing. And if it's about writing an ad and recruiting people, then we've done something good for bunches of people. So thanks for pointing that out. We are dealing with generational changes. And, you know, I lost a really good technician at our shop a couple months ago because of five hours a week. It had nothing to do with the pay. He was at the top of the pay scale. We're a Monday through Friday shop, but we are 7 a.m. to 5 p.m., which is more than 40 hours a week. 
I told him I was really upset that I didn't get an opportunity to, to handle it, but it was my own responsibility. It came down to it was five hours a week that he wanted more with his kids because he was the one that got the kids to school. And that hour, the difference between seven in the morning and eight in the morning was the difference to him. And this is a guy who was, he was on his way to making more money than he'd ever made well over six figures this year. And it was five hours a week. So it's so important to really look at, you know, again, that's where the surveys come in. And what is important, it's not all money. This generation is a little bit different than that. Although we are paying more, there is the cultural side of it. This 40-hour week, I mean, that, that was unheard of in our industry 20 years ago. If you were under 60, you were doing pretty good. Jimmy, would you do it again uh, to save this person? Would you fix it? I don't know that I would change everything, you know, because at this point, it would maybe change my whole operating basis in the shop. I would not change policy over one person. The thing that upset me about it was that I wasn't staying in close enough touch with what was going on. And since then, you know, we've sat everybody down and we're like, look, if there's something that is bothering you about your job here, if there's something about our culture that you got an offer from somebody or somebody wants to talk to you about a job and yours perk up for whatever reason, money, time off, whatever, I want us to have an open dialogue about this is our business. This is not, it's not my business. I, you know what I mean? It is my business from the standpoint of legally, it's my business, but it is our community. It's our business. And and if we're going to make it a place where everybody wants to be and they're happy and it fulfills, it checks all the boxes, then we have to be in communication with, with each other. It's not like it was 20 years ago. Again, we were trying to build cultures and the culture in these shops is changing now. And the only way that you're going to make those changes is by listening to the people who are working in the business. I want to expand on something that Jason brought up, is we have to do a better job of communicating and setting expectations. You know, when you hire somebody, those are the kind of things that you need to set expectations. We work this many hours, is that a problem? Time off or time for the kids, that's a conversation you should have and try to make it work. In the last shop that I ran full-time was... We staggered our employees so the people that needed to come in early could, and the ones that wanted to come in at 8 o'clock could, and we still had full coverage. And you can't accommodate everybody, but you need to communicate. And even to the point of we had a guy who wasn't motivated, right? He didn't build the hours he was supposed to, so we had long conversations with him. And his big deal was he liked to go skiing in the winter, and we weren't able to give him the flexibility to go skiing as often as he'd like. So we built his bonus plan about banking hours in the summer. So he worked his tail off in the summer so he could take three and four day weekends as part of his bonus plan. Uh, We helped the guy buy a house because we communicated with him. And that word got out is like, I was at a training session and somebody came to me and said, you helped this guy buy a house? Well, sort of. The money he made on his bonus program, we put into escrow for him, but we gave him a chance. Not everybody, you know, that one size fits all and treat everybody the same. Good communication and clear expectations of what you expect from the employees. And something as simple as how clean the shop is. When I hired somebody, I took them into the shop and I said, just to let you know, I think the shop is filthy right now. And you could eat off any surface in the shop. But I was trying to set the expectation that I consider this dirty. So they weren't surprised when I'd come in and say... I'm not happy with the way the shop looks, or I'm not happy with this. And we are lousy, men especially, are very lousy communicators, and we don't communicate well enough with our staff 
to keep them focused on what's important. We don't hear them and what's important to them, or we just say, well, that's not important to me, so I'm not going to do that for you. And for us to be a destination, we have to help them achieve what their destination is, home ownership, being out of debt, kids in college, whatever it is. And we can help them do that if we just listen to them and give them an opportunity. I'm really falling in love with the word destination. And I almost think it needs to be on your short list in your interviewing questions. And and Jason, I want to go to you. So we write this ad and we pour it out from our hearts and we look at it and, and we say, my God, everything's in there about what I believe in my vision, our values of our company, what I think a person is looking for. It's there. And Jimmy, as you sh- we showed in, your, in the overlay, it's a job description. But once you've got them qualifications, key pointers, you got to interview based on what you're looking for. And if you're going to qualify an individual, you have to take the time if you were really going to find that exceptional or unicorn person, right, Jason? Absolutely. I think for most uh, shop owners, we've all had been like really doing like three jobs at once and throwing some ads out there. And, you know, we got some guys coming by and we were like, this is just an interruption. You know, I'm trying to get this work done. I don't have time for an interview, you know, to do it properly. And really, you know, changing our mindset about like the interview process and really how it should go. Is it you know, has that been the way it's been in our shops where we just talk to the person, ask them, you know, I like to go back to like robots, hire robots, you know, or robots attract robots. Do you have a toolbox? What is your experience? You know, and that's enough. And then we get the guy going and then we find out it's really not the right person. So just like Malin and Jimmy were talking about being in great communication with our technicians that we currently have, it's like spending the time to really get in good communication and ask these questions, you know, about what motivates them, whether it's skiing or time with their family, what's important to them and really truly seeking to understand that so that you can show the person if they are qualified, how, you know, what you have at your shop can really help them. But spending the time, I mean, are we checking Facebook? Are we looking at, you know, the pictures on their feeds there? Are we talking to them on the phone and then having them come by? Are we doing working interviews? If they're a technician, you know, are we setting them to do a couple jobs and bugging a car? You know, how much time are we really spending to make sure the person's adequately trained? Because they have whole courses on how to get through job interviews now and indeed helps write people's resumes. And a lot of the resumes that I've looked at weren't written by this person that you know, interviewed. So really, you know, spending the time and making that time. I know before we started the show, we talked about marketing, get back to Jimmy on that, but um, spending the time that we need to are treating recruiting and interviewing and hiring with the same intention that we do marketing of our shop. But I think uh, really we underestimate the time it truly takes to really take, go from the ad to filtering, you know, you may have 30 people respond to an ad or you may have 10. Well, out of those 10 that you've talked to, how many are truly qualified to like have the next interview and then go to the working interview and really coming up with a pattern or a flow through the shop that you don't compromise on. They have to go through this and then they go this step and this step because just, you know, thinking you've asked all the questions. I mean, how many times has it happened where after they've started, you have questions still about what they can do or can't do. And that's really an indicator that not enough time was taken to really make sure 
that the person was qualified. You know, not only do we not know if they can do the job, we don't know if they can read and write. So we need to have a process that we follow. So we do an interview on the phone, and then if they pass that, then we bring them into the shop, and we should have a skills test. I'm an advocate of a skills test and a math test that they have to do in front of us. So I know they can read and write, and I know they're not looking the answers up. And then we do an interview. And when I hire somebody, I tell them, this is a two-hour process. You need to come in and plan on two hours. And you know what most shop owners tell me? You're crazy. I don't have two hours to hire somebody. Yeah, you do. Because if you hire the wrong person, how many thousands of dollars does it cost you? And we got to stop hiring emotionally and out of desperation and 100% have a process. We're going to do A, B, C, D with every employee for two reasons, consistency in your hiring process, but to avoid being possibly sued for discrimination because you didn't treat everybody the same. Hiring is a big deal now. And there are advertisements every day on TV about were you wrongfully terminated, were you not adequately hired, you may be owed compensation. So we need to make this as important as the diagnostic tree we follow to diagnose the trouble code. It's got to be a step-by-step process. Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine wrote a book called The Naked Interview. His name's David Jensen. And uh, one of the points in his, uh, in his book about interviewing was be diligent, not desperate. Exactly. And I interviewed a tech. You know, he's going to start Monday and they get so excited. Like that one guy that comes in is now the guy and, and it's like, whoa, 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 hang on a second. You know, one of the things we teach is recruiting in excess. Like if you need one to fill one position, you better plan on hiring three. And those are really the numbers. Another point I wanted to make about this, because you start talking about like, you know, interviewing the person and yeah, it's really important to sell your business and sell your, your culture and things like that. But it's also important not to let go of what's important to you as well, you know, because, you know, one size does not fit all. It's, you know, I have a, a friend of mine who does a shop in Phoenix and he's a smaller family shop. He It's a very successful shop. He has not had turnover in nine years in his shop. And what he dedicates that to is his culture. He says, we open it at eight o'clock, but I've got guys that show up at nine. I've got guys that show up at seven 30. I got some guys that leave at four. I got some guys that stay till five. He goes, I care as long as they get their work done. And then you hear guys that are going to four-day work weeks. Well, you know what? That's not for everybody because I'll tell you what, if you're going to get enough production out of somebody in four days, I don't care if it's a dedicated 40 hours and you're, you've got to have the people that are dedicated to being efficient for 40 hours a week. It's all about you're selling a culture that's a, that is your shop. And yes, you do need to do surveys. And yes, you do need to you know, change with the times, you know, as we have and promote those things that fit those boxes that are going to excite the person, you know. But at the same time, we still like in my shop, we have a 7 a.m. meeting every morning and everybody's there. You know, guys all the time, they're saying, well, yeah, you know, his biggest problem is he can't show up on time, but he's a master tech and he can fix everything. And it's like, you know what this guy's doing to your shop? This one person that you're being reasonable about, instead of finding somebody that fits in your culture, you're allowing this guy to change your culture. So either change your culture to adapt that, right? Or find somebody that fits into the culture because a lot of that, that is part of it is that people, some people want discipline. They want a structured environment and they spot the out points of something that's not. If I could add something to that, Jimmy, all great points. And something to think about is when you interview somebody, it's not about you. 
you should not talk about the shop. You should not talk about the whiz bang 4,000 scanner you got and the, you know, the <laughs> dodecaphonic with the moon rock needle alignment machine because you're interviewing that person. And yes, you're going to talk a little bit about you and your culture and stuff. But my most important thing is I want to know what Jason knows and what he wants. And I ask questions like, what do you do for fun? And I actually find a point in time to go look at their car. I'll excuse myself and go walk through the parking lot and find their car. And the condition of their car tells you a little bit about them. You got to understand that it costs us thousands of dollars to hire the wrong person. And what I find in most interview processes is we talk too much about us. Well, let me tell you how great a technician I am. I can fix anything with wheels on it, no matter how much money it costs me. And so the technician doesn't understand we're looking for a productive employee, not a friend. And to go back to something that was said was, I'm always looking to replace my weakest link. So I'm a firm believer in recruit year round. And when the strongest person walks through the door, I'm going to hire them and fire my weakest link. Yes, I know. That's callous. But if, if Jimmy, for example, or Jason walked through my door today, you are unicorns, right? You're one in 10,000 people, one in 20,000 people. You're welcome. And if you walk through my door and I said, "Ah, I really don't have a spot for you right now, Jason, will Jason ever come back to me? No. So I got to hire you now and I got to make the company fit you because you're the unicorn, Mm -hmm. the rarity, right? And in Jason's case and in Jimmy's case, you guys are like the rainbow striped unicorn. You're even more abnormal, right? And what we do is, is we're afraid. I have a client. He has too many employees, right? He's not producing hours. So he calls him up and says, I found the technician. This guy is like the unicorn. And he's just, he's emotional, right? And I said, great. Now, who are you going to fire to hire this person? What? I don't want to fire anybody. I want to bring him in. You have six people doing the work of two and a half. Now we're going to have seven people doing the work of three. That doesn't make sense to me. Let's eliminate the weakest link, two or three of them. If this guy is a superstar, he was emotionally attached to all of his employees. (laughs) That's why I have a flat forehead because I just beat my head on my desk. (laughs) Right? Jason, you had mentioned something about Jimmy talking about that writing ads and literally looking for people is kind of like marketing. Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, you know, we talked earlier um, a couple of weeks ago about the survey and, you know, you're not going to do a, a real successful marketing campaign unless you know what your customers are looking for. And uh, technicians, service advisors, they're no different. And it really is. It is that scientific now. You know, so the way that the, the ads laid out, what you're putting in the title of the ad you know, is going to attract the person or it's not. If there's thousands of people looking for technicians, what the heck is going to make your ad stand out? And then if you do get lucky enough for them to click on it, you have a split second to catch their attention. Just like if a postcard came in the mail to one of your potential customers, you have a split second to catch their attention. It is as much marketing now as ever before. And uh, I love what Malin said about it. You know, have a funnel. You're going to go through a lot of people to whittle down to the creme of the creme. I mean, this was a few years ago. It was, it's much tougher now, but a friend of mine that owns a consulting company in the um, chiropractic and dental area, and he was telling me that his clients were seeing it was 100 to 1. Literally 100 people applied to actually find somebody that they would actually hire. That didn't mean that they were interviewing 100 people, but by the time they whittled through every person, you know, got down to like 10, interviewed three to hire one, you know, it really is 
you know, it is about marketing and it, it is about consistency of getting that word out that you have opportunities available. Malin, I believe that you as a shop owner have to challenge yourself to do a really good interview. Because if you don't, as you said, you're going to hire the wrong person. I interviewing is an art. It's a craft. And if you don't do a good one, shame on you. Let's put it this way. Interviewing is like everything else. You have to do it. You have to practice at it. You have to critique yourself and you have to get better at it. You know, and I equate this to the same thing. You know, when we were first technicians, we didn't know what to do. Experience, we might've had knowledge, but experience is what made you a great technician. Wouldn't you agree? So you have to interview people. And one of the things that I tell my clients is, Interview a lot of people so you get better at it. Start learning how to read people. When we did the episode on the book, Samantha was on. And that was my advice to her. She was shy. She didn't know what to ask. She didn't know how to do it. Now, she's a dynamic interviewer. And she's learned to read people. And she's learned to trust her gut feeling. And has that eliminated her hiring the wrong people because she trusts herself. But, you know, it's just like being a good speaker. If you don't get in front of people and speak, you don't get good at it. And interviewing is an art form. It requires practice. And so as owners, that has to become part of our job description. It's not about fixing cars anymore. It's about finding the right people to fix the cars and the right service advisors. And you, you as owners have to dedicate your time to do a better job at it because the interview process is the most probably misused thing we do in interviewing. Uh, hiring because we don't spend any time at it and most of us don't like it. They'll tell you a whole bunch of stuff if you just ask the right questions and be quiet. If you're writing an ad and we know in the industry, actually based on the survey results that I know that you got back and, you know, this is a super secret for the rest of the world, many people, Malin, you may have mentioned this, feel underappreciated. So if that's the case, Jimmy, then it's not hard, number one, to write the ad that discusses it and do the interview to discover it. Yeah, it really is. I pointed out like admiration cuts through antagonism. And, you know, just think about, you said it perfectly, Carm, was like write a letter to yourself. Like how much, if you're a technician and you're, or you're looking at that technician, how much do you admire that technician and what they go through to fix the modern vehicle? If you're looking for a service advisor, look at that service advisor, somebody who shows up every day, they have a smile on their face, they answer their phone with a smile on their face, they deal with angry, grumpy customers who don't want to put any money in their cars, they can sell, they can order parts, they're the superheroes of a lot of shops. Look at how much admiration that you actually have for those positions and put that on paper in your ad. It will communicate. Sometimes when you get people in, you find that emotionally they are a little bit rough and they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And I think that that is something that in the industry it's created because we've made these guys fight for every penny that they earn for us. I'm an advocate for flat rate, but I'm also an advocate for taking care of people. Why are people so against flat rate? It's because it's been abused like heck. You know, so it's the admiration for the position, what they can do, just, you know, back off a little bit and lets them relax and say, I'm here for you. Like Malin was saying, what is important to you? How are we going to help you achieve your goals? What you're going to find is that sometimes somebody who seems like they may have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder when they walk in, they'll cool down and you'll actually get to talk to the real person that you want to interview. Never underestimate the power of simple words, please and thank you.
when you think about it, how many shop owners, you know, I'm sure you guys have visited other people's shops and it's like, do this, get this done. Please, could you take care of this for me? I appreciate your efforts. Thank you. And I'll tell a little story. I used to find something good to say to everybody every day. And I tried to do it at the end of the day, right? So it'd be like, hey, Jason, I really appreciate how you worked on Mrs. Jones' car today. You did a great job. She's going to be really pleased. Jimmy, I really appreciate your attitude today. I know it was a tough day for you, but you did good. And I had this kid working for me and he walked out the door and I said, you know, I really appreciate you being here today. And that was the only thing he did right. I mean, he had one of those days and he stopped and he looked at me and goes, yeah, today kind of stunk. And I said, don't worry about it. Go home. Enjoy your family. We'll slay the dragon tomorrow. That's what I call it. And he, he looked at me like, you're crazy. But the next morning when he came in, he was early, had a smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Did he need yeah. me to tell him he didn't have a good day? No. The difference in that person when he came in the next day was very noticeable. And he actually did two days worth of work. He made up for the day before. That's I think awesome. that's, that's where we miss it, you know, with just saying something like, thank you, Jason. I appreciate your effort. Jimmy, thank you. Carm, thank you. And people look at yeah. you like, you're crazy. That doesn't mean anything. Oh, it does. It's huge. And looking at these uh, potential uh, team members as lifelong relationships in our own lives, we can count our lifelong friends, maybe on one or two hands. How do we communicate differently with people that we have lifelong relationships with? And really like looking at when we're doing the interview, like, am I going to have a lifelong relationship with this person? Would I invite this technician home to have dinner with me and my wife? Totally agree. Guys, this was great. One other interesting quick point, the accolades of your own shop, for example, if you were the shop of the year, you won some kind of local awards, it would be so important to put that in the ad. You would want someone who can verify it by seeing the plaque on the wall, to see an industry article written, to see a a local chamber of commerce give some kind of awards, you know, come to work for the shop of the year, you know, in my county or, or however that works. I think it's something that says you're public enough and open enough to get these kinds of uh, of, of honors. Uh, so please don't forget about that. Or Meg Lewis example, won the Napa Technician of the Year. What a cool way to advertise it. Please come to work for the shop who happens to hire the Napa Technician of the Year, you know, in 2022. So those, I think, are really cool and neat ideas. It's all marketing, right? Well, and the public relations aspect, a lot of times, like we think about that with our shops. We're AAA Shop of the Year. We're whatever it is, and we're promoting that to our customers. But right. what message, what public relations actions are we taking towards technicians or towards other people in the industry and really taking the time to get involved locally you know, so that we can, with our public relations activity, show these other technicians and other service writers that it's a great shop to work for. I just wanted to say, you know, one thing just regarding the writing the ads was that the viewpoint of we used to see these ads where it's like, what's expected of me? You must have this. You must have this. You must do this. And we need to change our viewpoint a little bit about what's in it for me. And, you know, everything, what Jason was saying, what Malin was saying, Carm, what you were saying is all about, okay, I want to be a part of the prestigious championship, you know, shop in my neighborhood. I have benefits. I have all these things that are important and really like, and changing that flow of, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to go. That's what's in it for me. They could see that right in the ad right away. And then we can get in the interview, we can get to the point of what's expected of. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a great point. You're reading in the in the fourth sentence says, you know, you have to be six foot two, weigh this much, lift 40 pounds. Come on, stop that stuff, you know. Well, and, and that's a narrow funnel, right? Very narrow funnel right. and not a lot of people. Even if they do that, for, for example, we have a lot of great technicians that will fit that narrow funnel, but they lack self-esteem, so they won't apply for that ad. It's all a matter. And here's something else. If you really want to show appreciation to your employees, get them all business cards so they can go out and say, this is where I work. I'm proud of this. Look, I have a business card. That's a big deal. And business cards are cheap. And, you know, there's there's just little things like that that make a difference. Uh, wonderful stuff. Thank you so much, Malin Newton. ES, uh, the joy of hiring. Available on Amazon. Yeah, it's still on Amazon. Very good. Uh, ESI Business Coach, thank you so much. Um, and Jimmy Aloria, 3A Automotive and Diesel Repair, Phoenix, Arizona. Jason Stretch, legendary automotive and truck service for Myers, Florida. Guys, as always, I'm grateful. Can I steal that slogan? Let's go slay the dragon. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to go to service writer school to get that title, and you're invited anytime. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 